Em and I, on her podcast a couple of years ago, we were discussing um, the anal gland excretions <laughs> of beaver that they used to use to flavor like strawberry and, and raspberry uh, foods. <laughs> I love the smile you have on your mm-hmm. face right now. Because <laughs> I, I love blue raspberry and... Uh, it still wouldn't deter me. I I love blue. No, it wouldn't. You, yeah, it would. You wouldn't want that. <laughs> I'll do blue raspberry. I don't care. I'll a suck it out of a beaver's like, ass. That's it's good. edible. <laughs> more like poo raspberry day. <laughs> I mean, it's I don't know. You know, it's, it's fine. A, I eat meat. <laughs> I wonder if back in the day, some like you know backwoods dude just like grabbed a beaver just fucking shoved his face in its ass and like mm, get to the so blueberry <laughs> this smells delightful <laughs> breath, breath so sour sweat so sweet <laughs> mm, just like mama's pies hello raspberries <laughs> please we used to milk beavers for it mm. for the raspberry flavor and taste <laughs> and last longer <laughs> oh. <laughs> Savor the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> My God, that's brilliant marketing. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, do we want to start? Yeah. Speaking of river creatures. Yeah, oh. yeah. Speaking of river creatures. Dang it! That was a good. One. That was a good segue. Thank you. Chimpanzee <laughs> riding on a segue. Chimpanzee <laughs> riding on a segue. Bam, 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 bam. Well, uh, welcome to Under the Pendulum. I'm Chris, here with Heather. Hello. And Caitlin in Los Angeles. Los <laughs> I saw a fire on the way home. The car next to me had his window busted out and a slash tire. That's Los Ooh. Angeles. Yay. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's Los, Los Angeles in one Dude, image, you guys. Right? Okay, one last thing. So I just took my friend to the airport on Saturday morning, and it was a friend from Denver visiting, and I... You know, the traffic was so bad, I decided to, like, kind of take a shortcut through, like, a place called La Brea. And um, sure enough, I'm, like, at a stoplight. The car right in front of me has a a bouncing tire hit the hood of it, crack the windshield, and then go to the side of the road. And then I look over, and a guy is on a bare rim just with sparks going everywhere. Oh, still driving. Oh. Still driving. (laughs) Nice. And then the guy that had his cracked windshield like gets out of the car, points at the guy, and he's all like, "Don't move, motherfucker!" Like, <laughs> he's like, "I'm coming after you." The guy's like, "I'm only 20 minutes from home. I mean, I can make it on yeah. the rim." And I just have to say, I had Hannibal Lecter blood pressure. I didn't even like flinch. I didn't even care. <laughs> it was like I'll have. I was like, it, it would have happened in my car if it had just been seconds earlier. But like, oh well, that happened. You're yeah. just like listening to the Beach Boys, you know. Yeah, I just like I, I'm like, oh, a goodwill, and I pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if we? <laughs> As the world burns, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Ah, <laughs> uh, so um, we have a nice episode for everybody, and that was very a, nice. That was terrible. That was terrible. Oh, my God. We have a, a tasty episode, mm-hmm. much like sushi chefs can give. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. In this creature feature, we dive oh, <laughs> humna, humna, humna. into the world of sea monsters. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but seafood is my favorite food, both kinds, you know, where you put your tongue out and there's chewed up food. Uh, or, yep, yep. or from this, the... <laughs> Now it's frightening nuclear sea. But yeah. yeah. Mm. Satellite <laughs> there, images. There was this time at I was at a bar in Denver and um I was like sitting at the bar and there were like these two lesbians across the bar from me. Yeah. And I thought mm-hmm. they were looking at me. Cause Ooh. they cause they kept like pointing and stuff, and then they did the thing. And I was like, <laughs> that was weird. And so I did it back and they started <laughs> laughing, but I think they were Doing it to the girl next to me. <laughs> Chris thought he was the, he thought he was the unicorn. No. Oh, I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I do it back or do I like just like, man, thank you. 
These these chicks are totally under my. Fucking sweet. Anyway, totally unrelated. <laughs> sea monsters! Yay! It's a fun story. Yes, thank you. Okay, it was, right it was off the bat. a little embarrassing. Oh, I bet. I bet that was fun though. <laughs> it's better than like a swinger couple though, and then like that's really weird, you know, when yeah. that happens. <laughs> When they're looking nothing at against you. swingers. Yes, nothing <laughs> yeah, nothing against swingers. Yep. They hold up like a contract. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite sea monster right off the bat? Well, so I guess from the research that we've both done, there is quite a variety of sea monsters across the globe. It's it's staggering, in fact, how many different kinds and like variations there are. There's like water creatures because mm-hmm. I'm I I kind of stayed more in like the lake river zone. Myself. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Looking at art books when we were kids and always seeing like water houses, like Sirens and Odysseus and stuff like yeah. that. And I always really, really, really liked depictions of Sirens. Yeah, Sirens are really cool. Um, those are probably one of my favorites. Just be- I mean, but like, you know, that that's like a pretty common, you know, like like the woman, beautiful woman in the water that like will drag down sailors, you know, and then lure boner them with the city. beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What they think is yeah. gonna be boner city, but it's chomp city. Um, chomp boner off city. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody wants to go to that town. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I I don't know. I guess I don't know what my favorite is because. It, there were just there's so many crazy ones that I had never heard of, and mm-hmm. I'll be talking about a few Greek ones. I won't be talking about sirens, but um, I'll get to one that is a really weird, um, kind of chimeric sort of creature. It's it's fucking crazy. It's really fun. Fabulous. Yeah. Yay. So I'm not I'm not gonna spoil it right now, but I think I think she's become one of my favorites. <laughs> nice. And I don't think we're going to be talking a lot about medieval maps and the sea monsters um, that are so famous when we talk about sea monsters. Everybody knows the imagery. Yeah. But it would be good to note that a lot of what the medieval world knew of sea monsters, it kind of was a holdover from the Greek Roman tradition. So, you know, a lot of those things you could say were tied to and then and perpetuated into the medieval age and beyond until, you know, until we learned more about what what the actual creatures in the ocean were and you yeah, know that they weren't I mean, like hideous monsters most of the time because they thought they thought manatees were sexy ladies but they weren't yeah <laughs> it, was a, it was a different body type i guess yeah at the time. different time huh <laughs> different standards of beauty that's right that's right gray skin shapeless oh sign mm, me up but yeah but that donk <laughs> So, as I said, uh, the variety of sea monsters across the globe is staggering um, in all the variations. It's it's wild. Um, but if a culture or people lived near water or their way of life depended on the sea, one will most likely run into stories and myths about unknown things that live beneath the waves. And it's hard to know how far back these myths and beliefs really go. So dates in this episode will be difficult to pin down as we really only have textual and artistic evidence to go on. But most of these myths probably go back tens of thousands of years ago, and I posit maybe millions. When humans were crafting and developing their belief systems, which helped to not only explain the natural world and humans' place within it, but to explain what the different creatures that dwell within it were and what their intentions were. So I'm going to get a little evolutionary here. Uh oh, hot take, Chris. <laughs> Actually, it's not a super hot take, but I think it's something that some people don't think about. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't believe in evolution, then it's totally a hot take. <laughs> so, humans' perceptions of other creatures as monsters might go back to our early evolutionary roots. So, let's say, for instance, that when we were early hominids. Hey, everyone! Just wanted to make a quick correction on my pronunciation. I meant to say hominins instead of hominids. And hominins are humans and all of our bipedal ancestors. Hominids are great apes like chimpanzees and gorillas and their extinct ancestors. Um, It's where we get that break in the chain of evolution. Uh, Around 6 million years ago, and we left the arboreal life in the trees for a more terrestrial one, 
We encountered other animals such as snakes, large cats and wolves, etc., that hunted mm -hmm. on the ground. So early hominids now had to navigate a new way of life with new dangers. And these were dangerous animals to be feared by our early ancestors, as they still are today. So now let's imagine that over the next few million years as we evolve, we are perpetuating these primal fears over the millennia. And as we begin creating myths and stories to explain the world around us, these predators or dangerous animals become monsters or malevolent spirits. They become more terrifying as they are not really understood in, in a scientific way, only in a supernatural way as nature and the supernatural were kind of one and the same, uh, even up until the Middle Ages. Yeah. So if we, if we follow this line of thought, then we begin to see that many of these myths and stories might go back so far that we will never truly know their origins. And as we feared the animals of the land, we would also fear the ones of the seas. As people began to build sea vessels and traverse the oceans and waterways, the same ideas would have applied to the creatures they encountered. And maybe not just from observing them alive in their natural habitats, but finding their washed up corpses on the beaches and shores, giving them a closer look at these sometimes giant and terrifying looking creatures. Whales, giant squid, giant octopus, sharks, oarfish, giant jellyfish, and all manner of sea creatures would have seemed truly monstrous to early humans. You know, it, yeah. it, it kind of same thing with fossils, right? Like we know that, you know, ancient peoples found fossils and that often gave rise to different sort of myths and beliefs in like fantastical creatures. Um, one that comes to mind is when they found the skull of a, I believe it was a mammoth and it has this hole in the middle. And so they, there was this this myth perpetuated that there were cyclops. Huh. That's fun. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just like that's the interesting thing that, you know, fossils also play a role in our in our myth making. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. So now fast forward hundreds of thousands of years and we get textual and artistic accounts of such sea monsters. And what we begin to see from these descriptions is that many of these monsters from myth can be tied to real sea creatures most of the time. People may have seen parts of these animals on the surface and the rest of their bodies hidden under the dark waves. Again, our fears and imaginations fill in the rest, turning a whale, for instance, into some chimeric monstrosity. Monsters are always a personification of our fears in the unknown. So in this episode, we will discuss a few varieties of these universal monsters and how they have persisted and evolved into the stories that we now classify as mythology when it was anything but a myth to those who feared them. Nice. Yay. <laughs> so much fucking reading for that. They're, they're, they're scary, <laughs> but they always have boobies. Ooh, boo, 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 boo. Yeah, and then, right, and then we make them more human, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, oh, some nice some nice titties on that tiger. Human titties. <laughs> She's got sharp teeth, but man, we should check out those knockers. Or <laughs> <laughs> you get harpies. Harpies have titties. I know. I was just thinking yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. I remember watching The Last Unicorn as a kind of like, those are rough titties, but they're still titties. <laughs> <laughs> There's three of them. There's mm -hmm. two. <laughs> kind of one, a two, a three. <laughs> um, yeah, so Heather, why don't you start us off with the first one? Yeah, so this one is the Duarku, and it is a lake monster. Oh, nice. So the Duarku hails from the area of the world that many a water creature dwells, Ireland. Here there are Selkies, Kelpies, and most famously the Loch Ness Monster. The Duarku is a type of ancient Irish lake monster that lurks in the waters of the British Isles. Its name translates to water hound, and it is said to be a giant, unholy hybrid of a hound and an otter, although other reports have told of a dogfish creature. It is slimy black fur and dark brown, or dark brown fur, depending upon the reports. And it can travel long distances quickly on land or water. And it is about seven feet long. Oh. Perhaps this is why it is nicknamed the Irish crocodile. Well, actually, it's, it's funny that you bring up the, the dogfish because that's also um, uh, a, kind of a creature that we see in, in a lot of different cultures. Um, oh, there's, sure. There's a version of it in the um, Northeast, Northeast Pacific uh, you know, indigenous tribes there. There's a couple different yeah. kinds of dogfish. So. That'd be a hell of an animal. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. Blimey. Cute little fishy boy. 
<laughs> and in Irish folklore fashion, the Duarku is believed to have magical attributes. If you have its pelt, it can protect you from harm and even prevent a ship from sinking if that pelt is aboard. Their disposition is aggressive, as they attack any man or animal that crosses its path. And has bacon in its pocket. <laughs> they are bloodthirsty animals and have a strong preference for the taste of human flesh. And if that wasn't scary enough, you might encounter more than one because there are supposedly colonies of them that live in the waters throughout Ireland. Reports of sightings of these creatures date back to the late 1600s, and there has been a sighting as recently as the early 2000s. Still going, all right. <laughs> Irish artist Sean Cochran and his wife saw one in a lake while they were visiting Ome Island. Cochran was minding his own business, looking out on the lake at the shore. He then heard an unusual hissing sound and a large splash. I Quote, told my wife to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, The creature swam the width of the lake from west to east in what seemed like a matter of a few seconds. Corcoran says. He then saw it jump atop a large boulder before disappearing as it gave the most haunting screech. Get, do, do you want to try to do the, the haunting screech? <coughs> Excuse that me. That is haunting. That was haunting, yeah. It yeah. is haunting. <laughs> was that, did you make a sound? I did. Do, do it again. I can't hear anything. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> I'm just going to right. I'm just going to imagine the Dowarku is just a two pack a day smoker. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be righteous and kick ass to see a sea monster just smoking a stogie on a rock or whatever. Hey, how's it going? Like, yeah, what you looking at? Hey, you never yeah. seen a dogfish on a rock before? <laughs> So Corcoran described the Duarku as being large, dark, and having orange flipper-type feet. Oh. It is almost a guarantee that where there is one Duarku, there is usually another. Oh, shit. They stay by their mate's side as they live and hunt. If you are unlucky enough to cross paths with one of these creatures and happen to kill it and escape with your life, you are not long for this world. The Duarku you have slain will give a high-pitched scream that will alert its mate. <laughs> it will then swim up from underwater to avenge its mate's death and will likely eat you. <laughs> this is illustrated in the following story. That is perhaps the most famous account. This story surrounds the murder of Grace Connolly in 1722. There are varying iterations of this encounter. But the story goes that Grace was washing clothes on the edge of Loth Mosque. In one version of the story, her husband, Terence McLaughlin, hears her cries and grabs his fishing spear and runs to her aid. In another version, he finds Grace later on, unaware that anything bad had happened to her. But in all accounts, by the time he reaches his poor wife, she was already dead, having been brutally killed with her murderer, the Duar Koo, still near her corpse. The distraught Terence kills the beast, who lets out a high-pitched noise right before it dies. And, of course, we now know what happens next. Another Duarku emerges from the depths and attacks McLaughlin. It was a fierce battle, and he was forced to mount his horse and escape the devastated and angry creature. But the Duarku gave chase, and the poor man had no choice but to continue the fight in which he, thankfully, was the victor. Hey, fuck you! <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. Not going out on that fight. <laughs> now, amazingly, this story is not just a legend. Oh, really? There is an actual tombstone with a carving of a giant otter being impaled by a spear in hand with the name Grace on it in the year 1722. And this is in the Conwall Cemetery near Kinlaw. Oh. There's pictures of it. It's fucking awesome. Was Terence McLaughlin trying to cover up a murder most foul with this story? That's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> or is it possible that he actually fought one of these water monsters and won? I suppose we'll never know. But the infamous battle with the Duarku will forever be set in stone. 
tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> 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 that's crazy uh man that's a, that's actually a cool twist that it's um i don't know it's that it's on the tombstone kind of considered um yeah that's bad yeah i don't know true or uh, yeah it's fucking crazy and then apparently like nearby because like when the duarku was chasing mclaughlin he uh dismounted his horse and he like kind of hid behind this large rock and waited for the duarku to come by and as the uh, Duarku jumped over the boulder, he took his spear and pierced it in the belly. Oh. But his horse died in the battle as well. So I guess nearby um, where Grace's grave is, there is also a grave site where supposedly the Duarku and uh, McLaughlin's horse were laid to rest. So, but they said that you think it's like an otter? Yeah, it's like, like half otter? otter, half dog. Oh, like okay. a big ass. Yeah. Yeah, I want you know it's sort of like as we're Very. going through these, it's sort of like speculating what, you know, if it, if it was an occurrence, what it might have actually been, um, right? If it wasn't, Which is, you know, I, yeah, I I'm not really sure what it could be, especially like in in lakes, you know. I mean, apparently yeah. a duarku can be in the sea as well, but it's mostly in the lakes. Yeah, mm. I don't know what creature that could are be. Are they kind of are they kind of cute? I mean, most of the the yeah, artistic renderings I've seen have been cute-ish, but scary. Very like H.P. Lovecraft, uh, dream creatures. You know that book we used to have. So I was just thinking about that the other day. So yeah. not gonna get adopted quickly. No, no, I don't think anybody's gonna take this one in. Unfortunately. Oh. Well, so my mine's gonna my first one's gonna be kind of long because I kind of wrapped okay. three into it, but they're all kind of work off each other a little bit. Right. So I'm going to be talking about Ketos, Charybdis, and Scylla from Greece. Nice. So one of the most famous sea monsters is the Ketos from Greek myth. While Ketos was a word broadly used for sea monster, the creature for which it is attached can be found in the works of Homer and other famous Greek myths, most notably the stories of Perseus and Heracles. Ketos could be a whale-like monster, but sometimes can be something like a serpent. Archaeologists have found vases or craters that show depictions of sea monsters going back to the 6th century BCE. Bad and they're ass. Yeah, they're really <laughs> fucking cool, dude. They're like look them up. One. They're fucking sick. Um, yeah. There's like a cool octopus one that they found at Knossos, which is super mm. old. It's yeah. a beautiful octopus vase. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but like a lot of ancient Greek vases, you know, they kind of retold myths or mm -hmm. different kinds of stories. So you would inevitably have the the monsters and creatures that the heroes would have to confront. Right. So the depictions that show them, uh, show the Ketos, uh, either show them serpent-like or something that looks like a whale with what appears to be a canine-like face or head. So they sort of have like a like almost like a dog snout and some fish ears. Dog. Yep, fish dog, fish whale, or whale <laughs> whale dog, whale dog. <laughs> so in world little cat dog <laughs> with a little whale dog. <laughs> so in Hesiod's Theogony, written around the. 8th or 7th century BCE, he gives the Ketos a divine origin and lineage as they are the progeny of Keto, a goddess, and the sea divinity Forkes. So they uh, do their thing. And then they... Yeah. So they give birth to wow, a wow, lot wow, of the wow, sea wow. monsters, just like... So they're um, smashing uglies, making uglies. Yeah. Well, well, all the older the older gods before the newer ones like Zeus um, and all the others take over... You know, they're all fucking and creating different beings. And some are beautiful, yeah. like nymphs and stuff, and some are fucking horrible abominations. Yeah. Like a whale dog. Like, yeah, like a whale dog. The world, <laughs> Nobody asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> so there is the myth of the Ethiopian Ketos, sometimes mm -hmm. depicted as a whale-like creature and sometimes kind of like a dragon. The Ethiopian Ketos is most famously known in the story of Perseus and Andromeda. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but you, but I'm going to tell it. <laughs> Very short. <laughs> so in the story, Poseidon sends the Ketos to ravage the land of Ethiopia to punish King Cepheus and Queen Cassiopeia. For Cassiopeia. The que Cassiopeia. 
For the queen had boasted that her daughter, Andromeda, was more beautiful than all the Nereids, which are nymphs of the sea, who are all supposed to be like incredibly gorgeous, you know, beings. Right. So the fact that these mortals had the gall to insinuate that they were better than the gods in their progeny was why Poseidon sent Kedos as a punishment. Mm-mm. In an attempt to appease the god and end his wrath, Cepheus offered, offered his daughter Andromeda up as a sacrifice and chained her to a rock for the Kedos to feast upon. So this is oh, the part you guys yeah. might remember. So as yep. Perseus was on his way back to Greece after cutting off Medusa's head, he spotted Andromeda down on the rock below, about to be devoured by the Ketos. And she's always hot to trot, new to pants, covered in chains. Oh, no. Very, very. My yeah. slip just keeps falling off. No, 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 no. Too sexy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we'll keep this PG. <laughs> she was wrapped in a blanket from bed to toe. She was wrapped in a blanket. Mm. So Perseus flew down with his winged sandals and used the head of Medusa to turn the Kedos to stone and save Andromeda. In other versions, he slew the beast in the old-fashioned way with a sword. Nice. So based on descriptions by Marcus Manilius in his work Astronomica and Ovid's Metamorphosis, it is believed by some scholars that the Kedos is a baleen whale. So baleen whales are of the, oh God, Mysticetai class, so that's sort of like humpbacks or blue whales. Kind of, oh, kind okay. of think that. So not only are they some of the largest whale species, they are also some of the largest animals on Earth. What makes it likely that the Ketos from myth might be a baleen whale is from the descriptions. For instance, Manilius says of the Keto that it quote spews forth waves from its mouth and navigates the rapid sea with the teeth in its own mouth. Unquote. <laughs> So this may reference some of the behavior of baleen whales, where they open up their huge mouths and skim the surface of the water to catch krill and copiopod crustaceans to eat. Mm. The baleen plates, or sheets of fringed keratin, catch the prey. And you may have seen these strange-looking like plates in the mouth of a humpback, where they almost look like huge, large, fine-tooth combs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very noticeable and look kind of like crazy teeth. Yeah. The whales gulp down large amounts of water to filter out their prey and use their massive tongues to shoot the water from their mouths. So this behavior is more common to the Mysticeti class of whales and fits Manilius's descriptions. I'm sure it was a frightening sight to behold if one is unfamiliar with such biological knowledge. A oh, massive yeah. animal with wild-looking teeth creating whirlpools from gulping large amounts of oh, water yeah, totally. and just shooting them out in a rush. Yeah. Probably look yeah. Oh, yeah. Nuts. I'd, I'd poop my pants, too. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> hide your kids, hide your wife, because look at that goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> so Homer, writing around the same time as Hesiod, describes all sorts of sea monsters in both the Iliad and the Odyssey. One well-known passage describes the Charybdis, whom, quote, sucks down the black water. Thrice a day she belches it forth, and thrice she sucks it down terribly. Mayest thou not be there when she sucks it down, for one, for no one could save thee from ruin. No, <laughs> not the earth shaker, unquote. Yeah, he says sucks a lot. Uh, that yeah, is offensive. Yeah, I'll take a big gulp, please. (laughs) (laughs) So it's believed that the Charybdis was not an actual beast, though it's sometimes described as an enormous sea serpent, but explain things like maelstroms and the phenomenon of whirlpools. In the Odyssey, Odysseus decides to brave the wrath of Scylla rather than face the obstacle of Charybdis. The Scylla, who lurked near the narrow strait of Messina across from Charybdis, was a monster with 12 feet, six long necks and heads with mouths that were lined with three rows of sharp teeth. It was said that she barked like a dog. (laughs) Any boat who sailed past her would have six crew members snatched off the boat by her many heads on long necks. Dang. In other renditions, she is more like a terrifying mermaid with the upper body of a woman and the lower half of a fish or serpent, and the upper body of dogs coming out of her tail. Sometimes describes that. Or sometimes it's described like she's wearing a belt of snarling dogs. Wow, it's very like the thing. 
Sounds yeah. like sounds like someone who just doesn't want to go home to their wife or mother and is like making up some shit because they're hammered. You know? <laughs> yeah, it is sort of like um like the thing, right? It's just like a fucking yeah, just like Jesus. mash of just different shit. Yeah. <laughs> so in some of the myths, Scylla was a beautiful woman who was transformed by the gods into a horrible creature. In one version, she was a beautiful woman who played with the sea nymphs and a sea god named Glaucus loved her deeply. Glaucus went to Circe, who lived on the island of Aia, and pleaded to the goddess to use her knowledge of potions to make Scylla fall in love with him. Jealous of Scylla's beauty, Circe decided to turn her into the horrible monster we know today by pouring a concoction of herbs into Scylla's bath, a truly abominable metamorphosis. Man, just minding her own fucking business, just like they always do. <laughs> that's, yep, that's just Greek myth, man. You're just fucking minding your business, washing yourself Everybody by the river. Everybody was asking for it. And then Zeus comes down and just fucking... Mm. She was asking for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's usually what Zeus thinks. Yeah. <laughs> Look at her being a woman. <laughs> Look at her, she loves it. So while Scylla's parents often change in the various versions, she's always ultimately transformed into the monster by jealous gods. Ah. So here is a passage from the Odyssey where Odysseus and his crew come upon Scylla while trying to get through the dangerous strait. Quote, So with much lamenting we rode on and into the strait. This side lay Scylla, that side in hideous fashion, Fiendus Charybdis. We had looked her way with the fear of death upon us. And at that moment, Scylla snatched up from inside my ship the six of my crew, who were the strongest of arm and sturdiest. When I turned back my gaze to the ship in search of my companions, I saw only their feet and hands as they were lifted up. They were calling to me in their heart's anguish, crying out my name for the last time. As when a fisherman on a boat takes a long rod to snare little fishes with his bait and casts his ox hair lying down into the sea below, then seizes the creatures one by one and throws them ashore, still writhing, so Scylla swung my writhing companions up to the rocks, and there at the entrance began devouring them as they shrieked and held out their hands to me in their extreme of agony. Many pitiful things have met my eyes in my toilings and searchings through the sea paths, but this was the most pitiful of all. Unquote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's fun. Yeah, for sure. If you've never read the uh, Odyssey, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah, I gotta I gotta do that again. Me it's too. been yeah. I was very, very young. I don't know if I actually ever got through it, to be honest. Yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah, I mean it's it's <clears throat> what Clash of the Titans is really based on, right? Clash of the Titans is sort of um no, I think it's actually Perseus, I believe. Oh, Perseus. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So that would have been um, like in, in Hesiod's um, uh, works. Ah. But also, I think, yeah. I believe Ovid in, Metamorphi Metamorph uh, in Metamorphosis also talks about that legend. Oh, that's that's freaking cool. I love mythology so much. Yeah, it's fun, man. Greek and Roman mythology. Mm-hmm. Incredibly yeah. fascinating, and it's so it's just so crazy. Also, that you're just you're you're reading something so um, comprehensible from mm -hmm. like you know 800 BCE. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just yeah that is crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. Well, my next one is well more of a legend. I I stumbled across this one. It's um the Lanusi, and I'm not sure if I'm saying this correctly. It's a it's a Cherokee folklore creature. Um, I just thought the legend was so cool that I wanted to share it here. Hell yeah. So um, it's oh. not going to be quite as academic as, as your approach was, but it's a fun story. No, man, it's all good. <laughs> we, need a, we need a fun story after that. <laughs> uh, it's not as bad as you think. <laughs> no, it was, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> no, yeah. So many articles. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, this creature is from Cherokee folklore, like I said, and it's out of Murphy, North Carolina, along the Hiwassi River, on a junction the tribe calls Lanusii, or the Leech Place. Ugh. Gross. There is a deep hole in the river, 
and there is a rock ledge that overhangs it here. This was once used as a bridge by the Cherokee. This is where the Lanusi, or Great Leech, lives. That's going to be a weird Charlie Brown special. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is this, Charlie Brown? (laughs) The Great Leech! (laughs) It's the Great Leech, Charlie Brown. The Great Leech, Charlie Brown. (laughs) Let it take you. (laughs) So legend has it that one day a group of men were taking the trail that led to this bridge. From a high bank along the river, they spotted something terrifying in the water. It was a huge ball of something that they couldn't quite make out, resting on a rock ledge in the middle of the river where there was a deep hole beneath the water. As they stared in disbelief, the ball unrolled itself and revealed the Lanusi, a leech the size of a house with red and white stripes. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Even with those cool racing stripes on it. No. Size of house. Mm. Mm -mm. As they watched, it curled up and unfurled once more before it crawled down that rock ledge back into the deep water below. As soon as the creature disappeared, the water became turbulent and began to foam and bubble, and a column of water shot high up into the air and shot towards the group of men in the very spot they had been watching. Thankfully, most of the men moved in time to avoid it, as it would have surely taken them all down into the water had it hit them. Those that were hit were not so lucky. Their bodies were later found on the riverbank, their ears and noses seemingly eaten from their heads. Jesus. (laughs) Yes! Yeah, right? I only eat noses and ears. I did nothing else. <laughs> I'm on a diet. Yeah. <laughs> Giant house leech diet. Oh, is that in, ooh, is that in, in home and whatever fucking magazine that is? <laughs> home and gardens? Home and gardens. Oh, my God. There you go. <laughs> I, heard, I heard about it in Overheard LA. That's where it's going. Yeah. Oh, my God. Have you tried the giant leech the diet? Oh my god, I, what if I could afford it? My god. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's all the so rage. expensive right now. So special. <laughs> so, the men returned to their people with the story, and the alarm was raised about that part of the river. However, one cocky young man decided he wasn't afraid of anything and would prove himself by visiting that place. He painted his face and bravely set off with a group of people following him far behind. They wanted to see what happened, but not to be in harm's way. The young man sang defiantly all the way to that spot at the rock ledge bridge over the river. He didn't even make it halfway across before the leech's water spout took him down as the group of people watched in horror from far away. The young man was never seen again. (gasps) There have been other stories like this, and Lanusii is no place you want to go. The leech is said to still live in that deep hole because if you look down into it, you can see there is something there that is huge and alive. But don't be a hero. Just take the long way. I was going to say the more of the lesson is don't be a fucking hero. Yep. <laughs> That's so funny. So yeah, that one was was short, but I thought it was a cool little legend, and I have never heard of a giant fucking leech before. Yeah, that's, oh man, that's creepy. A huge. Oh. Yeah, creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Don't like that. <laughs> Don't like that. <laughs> so the last one is going to be from Japan, of course, because they always have the fucking Whee! craziest shit. I just fucking oh, yeah, love, I love their monsters and, and yes. ghosts and shit. So this is the Umibozu from Japan. Umibozu. Umibozu, translated as sea monk, is a monster that inhabits the seas and bays around Japan. Its true form is unknown as they are only seen from the shoulders up, but it is Hmm. said to have a humanoid shape, unclothed, with inky black skin and round large eyes. It has a round smooth head which gives it its namesake, sea monk as its head resembles the bald head of a Buddhist monk. It's just the rock. He's just chilling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> It varies in shape from being a bit larger than a ship to so large it's almost inconceivable. Hmm. Some stories speak of tiny umibozu, only a few feet tall, 
And that is said to be the children of the larger Umibo Zoo. <laughs> they sound like fucking awful goblin yeah. creatures. Gross. It is said to Ew. appear on... Co- <laughs> Get out the boat. Ew. Yuck. I'm on a leech die. Get out of here. <laughs> so it is said to appear on calm nights when one might not think anything out of the ordinary would occur. Then, seemingly out of nowhere, the waves and weather become tumultuous. It is said to portend storms and other strange sea phenomena. Often a feeling of dread will it come before it shows its form. It then hauls its titanic form out of the water, gigantic inky black head and shoulders rising above the vessel, its large eyes peering down at the ship. Ooh. And this is a little uh, description from... Um, I use this, um, he's a Japanese scholar, translator, um, Jake, yeah. uh, Zach Davison. I actually have okay. a few of his, his books. It's very, uh, very good. Uh, awesome. So, quote, when they attack, some say that they cling to the hull of the ship to drag it down or have great stretching arms that can pull a ship down by its mast. Ooh. Some say that they try desperately to quench any lit fires on the boat. And some say they cry, kuya, kuya, as they attack. And that striking them with the oars will bring bring cries of pain. Oi tata, from the smaller species, is what they cry. Oh, <laughs> oi tata. <laughs> <laughs> oh, teeny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that from Star Wars, Star Wars. or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. In some you legends, are. they can be repelled by tobacco smoke, so fucking smoke them up. Oh, all right. Smoke them if you got them, everybody. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> ever seen uh, videos of Japanese fishermen, but they fucking put them down, dude. Man, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's like, um, you know, something sort of like uh, with indigenous, you know, Americans where tobacco has some sort of um, significance, you know, whether spiritual or, or Perhaps, otherwise. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Reach out to us. Yeah. Please welcome if you've yeah. got them. So the Umi Bozu will sometimes demand a barrel from the crew, which it uses to scoop huge amounts of water onto the deck until the boat sinks and the crew is drowned. Which I don't know Dude. why they would give it to him, you know. What? It's like, I'm going to get <laughs> killed anyway. <laughs> that is so rude. <laughs> so they say, it's like a cat. Just, like, knocking <laughs> water over. <laughs> so they say that if you can give the umibozu a barrel with the bottom removed, the hulking creature will try to scoop up water to no avail, and the crew can sail away unharmed. Oh, so you just keep one of those on deck then. That's all. Yep, pretty much. Yep. No. Oh, well, it's the umibozu barrel. Yep. <laughs> So different accounts say that it can sometimes look like a hairy creature that looks more like a whale, and some even say it is a beautiful woman who can transform into a monster. But the most common is the gigantic humanoid form. So like most folklore and legends, there are variations depending on village and locations. And uh, so I'm going to read a couple stories that were recounted by Zach Davison, uh, that scholar of Japanese folklore. Okay. God, these names are going to be really rough. You got it. (laughs) In the Tohoku region, before going out to sea for fishing, the captain of fishing boats would give prayers to the goddess of the sea for safe passing. It is said that the umibozu are the retribution of the goddess on any ship captain who fails to give her the proper respect. Mm. In Shizuoka Prefecture, Kamo District, they told tales of the umikozu, which refers to a young monk. The umikozu was covered in fine hair up to its eyes and came up along people's fishing lines, cackling hideously. <laughs> so it's just this hairy thing that, like, climbs onto your fucking boat and just like... <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's no, scary. Yeah, that's uh-huh. fucked up, right? It's funny Jesus. until you think about it, you know? It's yeah. just, like, fucking staring at you and shit. God. No, it's just jerking it. 
<laughs> just jerking <laughs> off under the water. <laughs> I always think that about anything that scares me. I'm like, just don't break eye contact. Don't break eye contact. <laughs> just do the cherry on the cake here. It's just making this even worse. <laughs> That's good. So there have been stories of shape-changing umibozu as well. In Miyaki Prefecture on Ushima Island, they say that umibozu disguise themselves as beautiful women lost and swimming in the ocean. The same story is told in Iwate Prefecture, where it is said that the woman will invite you to come into the water with her, and that anyone foolish enough to do so will be swallowed whole. Come on, the water's fine. I'm a beautiful <laughs> woman lost in the water. Yeah, come and on. I want you to come join me. Come on, big boy. Idiot. <laughs> Turd sandwich? I mean, hi. <laughs> Am I looking good? I'm on a giant leech diet. Mm. <laughs> so many other countries have similar legends or sea monsters that resemble the umibozu. In Mongolia, there is the Mokiri Kokiri. In China is the Kikokutan. And in Europe, the sea monk or the bishop fish haunts the oceans. Which I don't know if you guys ever heard of the bishop fish. It sounds familiar. Yeah, it does. It does. So they, they think what it actually is is a kind of like ray. Um, oh. it, it has a sort of interesting shape. That's but right. it But it's like has a, the shape of his body almost looks like a pope's hat or like a bishop's hat. That's right. Yeah, so, it's weird that. as fuck. Yeah, yeah, and there's actually a legend that they caught one. And brought it to the Pope or brought it, you know, somewhere on land and it could talk and they like taught it and, you know, it became a bishop. I love that. Band abortions. More babies, more fish. <laughs> so there have been several written accounts of Umibozu. Many of these are eyewitness encounters appearing in newspapers or collected in the bound volumes that served as the popular literature of the time. In the Kansai era, which is between 1789 and 1801, in a collection of writings called Kanzo Jigo, there was a report of an Umibozu that rose out of the water and stayed visible for three days before returning to the sea. Good Lord, was it just like sitting there staring <laughs> for three days? It got all fucking like bro-y like, come on, you coming? You coming out here? Sometimes it would oh get gosh. drunk and then make everybody upset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking shotguns a barrel. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you fucking do about it? Look at me. Kill you, motherfucker. <laughs> in Wakayama Prefecture, in the 21st year of, May of, Me of Meiji, 1888, the Miyako Shimbun newspaper reported on Umibozu monster that was 2.4 meters long and weighed up to 263 kilograms. It was nice. said to be light brown with orange eyes, with a mouth like a crocodile and a tail like a giant shrimp, and the voice like a cow. And oh, I thought like you were going to say voice like an angel. <laughs> <laughs> nope, cow. Yep. cow. That's what we're going with. <laughs> All right. Cow, cow, brown cow. In the collection Uso Kanwa, it was written that in the Mie prefecture, it was thought that the end of the month was the time for Umibozu and that ships were prohibited from launching at that time. A sailor broke the ban and went to sea at the end of the month. Sure enough, he soon encountered an umibozu who approached him and asked, Am I terrifying? <laughs> the sailor replied, I find nothing as terrifying as trying to make my way in this world. Mm -hmm. Bitch, you big bitch. Yeah, he's like, if you have to ask, then no. <laughs> at which the umibozu suddenly vanished with a knowing nod. No, I'm just he kidding. Was, yeah. <laughs> and, and also, well like... Trying to suppress a cry, a good cry. <laughs> game recognized game. I get it. <laughs> oh, man, that's creepy as fuck. Yeah, it's kind of a creepy one, yeah. It's just, and it's like, it's at night, too, so it's just this, oh, man, sounds crazy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go look at pictures. I was picturing um, uh, Ito's illustrations as you were talking about this. 
know, Junji Ito. There's some cool older ones um, that you can find that ha- they look they look really cool. Some not so creepy, some a little creepier, but um, yeah, yeah. There's and there's some pretty old ones from like the Meiji period and stuff. So sweet. Ooh. Yeah, very very cool. Hell yeah. It's just like almost uh, like a big shadow, big thick shadow, mm. just like staring down at the boat. It's really yeah, really interesting. Don't like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> creepy. It just wants barrels of sake. <laughs> yeah, well, can you blame them? <laughs> I know, right? Especially the creamy stuff, am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. No, 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 no. Yeah, so I think that's all we got, really. Yeah, that's, a, that's our sea monsters. Yeah, actually, there, there were a couple interesting things that I, I did want to kind of throw in there, and it was sort yeah. of like why... Things like giant squid and sea serpents are so, um, you know, what makes them so terrifying to people. Yeah. And, you know, one scholar, you know, he pointed out that things like snakes or squids or sea serpents, mm-hmm. it's their really unusual characteristics that make us uneasy. Um, you know, we generally, we generally try to find, like, similarities in other animals to ourselves, you know, sort of, right. like, anthropomorphizing them. Sure. So, you know, like with them, it's just something so strange and unknown that, you know, it's it's almost like it's almost inconceivable that it's an actual animal. There's like yeah. an actual just normal animal. So it's it's got to be something monstrous. They all have long squigglies and nobody likes that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially when you look, you know, like we think with the Kraken, you know, from yep. um, Nordic mythology. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we we could definitely say that that definitely might have come from, you know, either dead giant squid that washed up on the shore or, yeah. you know, sometimes they come to the surface usually because they're sick or dying because um, right. they live so deep in the ocean. But, um, you know, I think there was a video recently of a surfer on a board or somebody out on a board and some tentacles started coming up around the board. Really? Dude, fucking no. God, dude, shit your oh fucking pants. Yeah. What would you do even? I, I don't know, freak man. Freak the fuck out. I'd be like, holy shit, HP Lovecraft was yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. All hail our new overlord. <laughs> I shouldn't have eaten that. I shouldn't have touched myself. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like in sea serpents, a lot of scholars think that they're actually oarfish. Which are very oh, yeah. interesting animals. They're up to eight meters long, and they have a, they have kind of like a horse like face. Um, mm-hmm. They have this long Ooh. flame red crest that goes down its body, and it's got the very these very bright colors. And it's actually the world's longest bony fish. Huh. So you know you see that you know cruising through the water, and it's you know sort of undulating and and you know moving from side to side, much like a serpent. Um, you know, that's sort of where we can get a lot of those myths from. You know, and that same with sense. a whale, like a really long whale. Sometimes, the, you know, just the top of their back is is showing out of the water. And, yeah. you know, so that can also kind of, again, your imagination fills in the rest of what you can't see below Absolutely. the dark water. It's a survival mechanism for sure. Well, yeah, and, and like back then, they were not looking at these things from like fucking cruise ships or anything. So, I mean, it, they're like they're <laughs> and down God, lower, and you know, yeah. you can see less and the like, lower you are. Uh, God yeah. knows how good your vision was too, because you probably yeah. didn't even have access to glasses if you needed glass in the water. <laughs> yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and by you know, I mean, there were definitely Greek and Roman um, academics. We would say, you know, nowadays who were trying to study biology and you know kind of try to figure out you know what what a lot of these animals were um but even on their travels they talked about fantastical creatures that uh, pr- probably didn't exist you know fucking humanoids where like they have no heads and their heads are on their torso so Jesus. it's like a like a regular person like that it's um yeah a lot of a lot of wild a lot of wild stuff came from that i mean marco polo as well talked about seeing really strange uh, cynocephali, which are the dog people on islands. Oh yeah. <laughs> which I have my own theory about about cynocephali. You're nothing but <laughs> dog people. <laughs> we should uh, definitely they, talk about that sometime. My goodness. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, well, I talked about it a little bit in um, The Werewolves of the Renaissance and Middle Ages oh, I did with right. them. But I would actually love to um, uh, to do a longer episode on that because I do have like a, like some things that I, you know, I tie to it, um, uh, yeah. certain um, uh, physical afflictions and things like that. Right. Yeah. There, uh, there, there was a famously like a, a sideshow performer that had an affliction like that, wasn't there? Yeah. I mean, there's, um, I wish I could remember what the term is, but it's basically where the hair, the hair on your body, it keeps growing, mm, yeah. right? We, and we've, yeah, we've seen them like at Ripley and stuff. And there was actually a famous guy yeah, who American had that people, right? yeah, during the Renaissance. Um, the royalty, right? Well, I think he was brought into the royal court ah, and right. maybe maybe married um, a woman of nobility or or high class. Yeah. Um, but then their kids also had it. Yep. So and That's there's right. some fam- there's some famous paintings of of them. Oh yeah. So yeah, and who knows how far back that genetic variation or mutation goes? So you yeah, know, really, like, if you have it prevalent in a isolated community then you know everybody's given birth to you know to uh kids who have it and then you come across them and you're like my god this is a land of of dog people of dog people <laughs> i don't know i don't know how accurate all that is but i mean i say that every time i leave a best buy and they won't give me what i want y'all <laughs> dog people you're all dog people <laughs> <laughs> what an insult <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that's actually a good one yeah, I like that, it. That's right up there with you're the reason God doesn't talk to us anymore. That's a good one. That is yes. a good one. Professor Bros. Professor Bros. Yep, yep. It's like one of the best <laughs> best things I've ever heard. And then I strutted out with Kate Moss confidence. <laughs> Kate Moss confidence. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, this was fun, man. I was yeah, I had a lot of fun researching the all these different uh, uh, water monsters. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, the water's terrifying. There's no there's no two ways about it. The I, ocean is a place of nightmares. I am sure. afraid of open ocean for sure. Me, Me too. too. I I just like sometimes think about when we used to do like the boat thing and like just hop off in the water and like play and stuff like that and I'm like there is no fucking way I would do that now. Dude, okay. I, I I couldn't believe that we used to actually jump off the deck into the canal behind our house yes because that was not fucking safe either there's there was shit wow. up in there yeah we did we did swim in that water i did oh god yeah I man like been. well fucking fresh off the boat in wisconsin from wisconsin you yeah know, that's like true. fucking nothing's gonna hurt you there except tiny leeches oh god <laughs> that's god. true that's, that's <laughs> the only thing you have to worry about yeah pretty much <laughs> jesus so, Kate, you had asked earlier what our favorite sea or water monster is. What's your yeah. favorite water monster? Oh, I sirens. Oh, oh, you, oh, that's right. You said sirens, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if I think about it more, you know, Moby Dick was always such a good one. I know that that's like not really based on mythology, but I love the idea of a giant white whale. Like, I think that that's. No, I, actually, I think it is. It would be based off mythology. I mean, um, you know, like we had talked about earlier, the Ketos, which is a, a lot of times um, described as a giant whale. It's like a so, vengeful whale, too. Yeah, yeah, like a, a, yeah. Like a, a whale with a bad attitude. Um, well, and I, I love that in Pinocchio as well. They get swat, like, you know, that. Monstro. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and Jonah well. and the whale, of course, you know, mm-hmm. from, from the Old Testament. I think it's Old Testament. Yeah. I love giant octopuses yeah i could see dude. that yeah. <laughs> yeah they're fucking awesome yeah. yeah that's um bad yeah yeah look up the that's uh scary. look up that uh greek crater with a octopus on it. it's very cool yeah yes i, I remember that totally gonna yeah. do that I, I, yeah. if, I'm not, if i'm not mistaken it was from Knossos, so that was like okay. the bronze age so even further back it's it's super cool i remember learning about that mm-hmm. for sure hell yeah <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> what about you, Krista Bob? What was your favorite? Um, I also really like sirens. Um, but I do really like I like Skeela a lot, or that that sort of yeah. like, um, sort of like a mer person, but like all fucked up. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, just like 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 a monstrous version. It's like sort of like a Gorgon, you know, which is yeah. like what Medusa got turned into. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, it's 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 um, it's just one of the craziest things. It's just so fucking rad. Well, anyway, so we've been because we should get to socials. <laughs> so you can follow us on Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast, on Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast, on Twitter at Pendulum underscore Pod, on TikTok at Under the Pendulum. And you can find all our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Podbe- Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods. You can meet. Wow. You can meet me. You can me. find me, Heather. You can, <laughs> you can meet, can meet me in the back Heather. of a 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, Facebook, Heather Thomas, Instagram, h.n.thomas, Twitter at Heather W. Thomas. And you can hear my narrations on Creepy Tales to Terrify, The Wicked Library, and Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. And you can find me on Instagram under Frothy Star Dog. And you can find me on Facebook by searching for Christopher Weber and on Instagram by searching for Christopher Weber 13V. Well, yeah, you guys. Awesome. Stay dry, everybody. Thank you for listening. And we will have a seasonal. Yes. October episode coming up for you. Yay. Ooh. Getting spooky up in here. Yeah. It's getting spooky in here. So spook. So spook. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Oh, we did the wave.